0: You do realize those people are weird in there, don't you? Huh? No. no what do you mean, no? You, you don't know that they're not exactly normal? Um, no. I mean, they have you brainwashed or something? What's brainwashed? Like they think for you. You don't want to be like that. You want to be normal like me. <laughs> Sorry, I sneezed.
1: Are you okay?
0: Yeah, I just want to... It's been a very hot day today.
2: Bed. It's really hatsy-tatsy today. You don't
0: have to say stuff like that. It's kind of irritating. I mean, hatsy-tatsy, sharing is scaring. Uh... Yummy in my tummy! See, there you go again. I mean, why do you say stuff like that? It's very irritating. So, in other words, it rubs you in the wrong way? Yeah, that's right. So, meaning it, it's
2: not your cup of tea and it doesn't float your boat?
0: See, you're doing it again. You don't want people to think you're abnormal or anything like that, right? Like those, uh, people at that program. I don't know. No offense or anything, but I think you're above them. What's your problem anyway? I don't know what's wrong with you. Um,
3: well, I have autism.
0: Is that it?
1: Um, no, I also have an LD.
0: What is that, like a venereal thing?
1: No, it's a learning disability. Oh.
0: <laughs> well, I guess everybody's got problems.
3: That's true. So what's your problem, David?
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of That's So Random, A Random Movie Podcast. I'm Heath Lambert. I don't want to get all afternoon special about this, but I feel like this is going to be a special episode. Not like a Family Ties. It's a special episode of Family Matters way. But ordinarily, it's me and one of my friends or me and one of my relatives making fun of a bad movie and very focused on the movie. This is what the movie is. This is what the movie is. And we're going to go through this movie a bit. But, uh, the movie for this episode is going to be more of a a stepping stone or a launch pad to talk about life experiences of people who are not heard often enough. Tonight's movie is Keep the Change from 2018. And my guests this evening are Emily and Brevin.
3: Uh, Hi! (laughs)
1: Hello! Say hello. Um, (laughs) Lovely people who, first off before I do anything else, I want to thank you both from the very bottom of my heart. I was terrified, honestly, to do this episode because my movies are picked at random. So when I got this and I watched it, and I knew, okay, there's a right way to do this episode in a wrong way. Me and my brother cracking wise about this movie is the wrong way to do this. The right way to do this is to get guests on who have lived this. I mean, I can empathize with these characters, certainly as a human being, but it's not the same. And doing it without your voices, and you are both autistic people, Mm -hmm. would be the absolute wrong way to do it. And if I hadn't been able to corral some guests to help me out, I don't know if I would have been able to do this episode at all and feel right about it. So, sincerely, you have my utmost gratitude for being here. Thank you so much.
4: Thank you. You're welcome, (laughs) person. So...
1: Uh, the movie Keep the Change is directed by a lady named Rachel Israel, who, looking at her IMDb, she had made a short version of, a short film version of this first, and then made the full feature version. And she's done some producing on some other sort of bigger movies, but hasn't written or directed anything in the three years since. Which I feel is a bummer, because I don't know how I have my opinions about this movie. I enjoyed it quite a bit. But I can't speak for you. So before we get into the details of the movie, in general, and I think we'll start with Brevin, Did how do you feel about this movie? Is it a good movie or a bad movie?
4: Okay, uh, I really like this movie a whole lot. Um, just in general, there are, there's like a couple things that I wish were like different, but for the most part, I really relate it to a lot of the characters in this movie. And I think this was a really good and respectful way of telling an autistic story. And
1: Emily?
2: Um, I definitely agree on all of that. Um, I thought it was really well made. I really appreciated that they actually used autistics (laughs) for the autistic characters, because unfortunately that's not something we see a lot yet. I really um, thought it was really, really good. There were a couple of things, obviously, you know, that weren't perfect, um, but I thought the representation was really, really good, like showing our point of view.
1: Yeah, it's super important. And we were talking sort of before we started recording about mm-hmm. that Wretched Sia movie oh. music <laughs> and how that is the absolute wrong way to do this material compared mm-hmm. to this, which is, feels very much like the right way to do this material.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, like I was telling you beforehand, um, unfortunately, it's just a really rare thing for us to actually get to play ourselves. And the fact that, you know, there are very few autistic roles to begin with, like where the character is like canon autistic. So, yeah, like we don't get that many opportunities to begin with. And then when like neurotypical people play us, um, number one, they're taking apart from one of us. Um, And then number two, there's absolutely no way that a neurotypical person will be able to play an autistic person. They can practice all they want. They can watch as many videos as they want, but they don't have the type of context that they need to be like authentically autistic. You'll see that a lot in the SIA movie. And I don't have anything against Maddie Ziegler. She was like 14 when that was filmed or whatever. Um, I feel like there was a power imbalance. And so I'm not mad at her at all. It's Sia that I direct most of my anger towards. But you could see, like, just seeing some of the scenes and stuff from her movie where she was moving around and doing things. But it didn't make sense. Because, like, when neurotypical people look at us, I think that's what they see. They don't understand why we are doing what we are when there's actual reasons, you know, it's a, we stem for reasons, basically. Like usually it's to help like regulate us or, you know, to deal with like sensory overload and things like that. So when a neurotypical person does it, they're just like flapping around and it doesn't make sense. When we do it, it's, I believe it's a beautiful thing. So I don't know, what about Brevin? What do you think? (laughs)
4: Um, I'm not gonna get super into the Sia thing I oh, definitely yeah. <laughs> have my um, opinions on that I think that there, there's, a, there's a difference between doing a, it, it, all, it all kind of worried what your reasoning is for doing a movie and I found Sia's um, like thought process in making that movie to be very disingenuous um, in a lot of ways I didn't Feel, it didn't feel like an honest like attempt at trying to represent someone. It felt more like, because she is also a musician, it felt like she mm-hmm. just wanted to make a music video and just kind of used autistic as a way. It just, it oh, didn't yeah. Feel authentic.
1: Yeah, and then you have a show like, and it's a show that I enjoy, and I, I don't know what your guys' take on it will be, but uh, Atypical, the Netflix show, which mm-hmm. I feel like does a lot of things right, but again has a lead actor who is not autistic, playing autistic, which is not great, you know.
2: Well, and they also that movie also um encourages or that TV show. I've watched a couple of times, but I had issues with um they support ABA, which is something that the adult community is very very against. It's um it's a type of therapy that a lot of like the big nonprofits will suggest, but um it actually causes PTSD in in autistics. It's the whole point of it usually is to make us seem more neurotypical, like pretend to be neurotypical so that um, we can blend in more. But often what it does is it just trains us to be compliant. And so obviously, that's not a good idea. You don't want to train children to basically be bribed to do things that hurt for rewards. I mean, if you look at that in any other context, that's kind of scary. So that's the issue I have with that show. Also, I felt like, like you said, where it's not played by an autistic actor. Yeah, it's just, there. it's problematic to me. There's some really good, they definitely should have consulted like actual autistics more when they, you know, have been making it.
1: 100%. All right, well, yeah, let's start getting into the movie a little bit. The two leads are, uh, like we said, actually uh, autistic uh, actor and actress, uh, Brandon... Polanski plays David, and Samantha, I'm not going to say this right, Elo- oh, yeah. Elosophon? Ellis Open, I don't know, plays, uh, oh god, what's your name? Sarah. There's there's a lot in this movie about masking versus unmasking. David is very, very masked and very much trying to hide his autism from the world to where um, he has ticks sometimes and he passes them off as like, oh, it's my allergies, don't worry about it. It's a weird sneeze I have. Whereas she is just herself and open and could not give less of a fuck what anyone thinks usually
2: (laughs) well and i noticed that was one thing that i really loved that they highlighted it's like she didn't really care what in um thought about her but she was very very upset about what david felt about her and i don't think it had any you know as much to do as yes He was her love interest, but also just as another autistic person. Like I care more about what my fellow autistics think of me than neurotypicals because I'm used to them not like, you know, I've been the weirdo since I was three years old. So I'm used to that part at least.
1: And the movie starts with David, our main character. He's being chauffeured around because his family is very rich which I think leads to a lot of his problems. I feel like he is very, and this is a strange thing to say about an autistic person, he's very privileged, at least compared to the other people in the support group that he goes to. Because he's, I mean, Sarah has to take the bus, people have to take cabs, you know, he's taking cabs everywhere and getting chauffeured around by like a private driver. And so he, like there's an extra layer of him not kind of understanding the reality of the world around him because he's so, yeah, privileges, I guess, is the right word for it.
4: I, I I think that also kind of plays into the fact how the fact that he doesn't really know that he's, like, he, like, his, like his tics and his weirdness and what, like, like disability he actually has. Because one, one thing for me that really, like, grabbed my attention with this movie is, uh, and what immediately, like, I could relate to, um, was the fact that, because, like, most of my life, like, I knew I had, like, I looked at no he had like another day, but I didn't know what it was for like the longest amount of time. It wasn't ever until I got into a relationship that I ever like actually figured out like that I had like an autism issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I found a lot with baby was like a lot of the way he acted and like the way he kinda like tried to blend in the way he kinda like thought he was like normal and the way he, he like the jokes he made and things like that. Uh, and he's like not, not so much his charismatic attitude or his attempt to be charismatic, but uh, a lot of like the way his attitude was about um, autism and things like that. Like I kind of was able to kind of like, relate to in that way for me.
1: Well, and it's also I feel like he knows he certainly knows that he's different from most people around him, but he's also he's very ashamed of it, and a lot of that comes from his mother, who is a terrible person. <laughs> Um yeah <laughs> and so he's yeah. certainly felt the need to hide it amongst his family and when he and he, he gets irritated by other autistic people who are like why can't you hide it like I can hide it you know he's been ordered to go to well, this And that's
2: one thing that I do want
1: to oh, ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, please go ahead
2: <laughs> Well that's one something I actually wanted to bring up is that masking is a privilege those of us that can mask because some some of us can't it, we really can't and um that's something i've learned especially after my last autistic burnout um i can't mask anymore so i get really scared like going out into public because i have to actually be my authentic self now and the fact that he can mask that's another privilege that he has so don't you agree brevin like yeah
4: i just i, I definitely agree that like a lot of it can definitely uh he has a privilege of being able to like some people have like autism that's like really really like damaging and makes it impossible. I think that a lot of people who have autism can have like like I definitely think I don't know because I think masking when you're autism when you have autism it is I think like he, while he can do it I think it's really hard because like even though like I agree that he does attempt to man I think it still it still comes out a lot of times like when he's on those dates and be like. He can, like, mask when he's being online, but I get it's a lot harder when you're masking in person, mm. I guess. And, and I see that a lot throughout the days and, like, when he's interacting with people, like, realistically. And it's, it, it's very clear when he's interacting with people in reality that he, he has, like, he's trying to mask it, but it still comes out. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I
2: totally agree on that. Because no matter how much we mask, and that's something like finding out, being late diagnosed, everything in my life all of a sudden kind of like fell in place. And what I realized was no matter how much I mask, there's still, I have tells basically like a yeah. card player. There are things that people pick up that maybe I don't even know I do that kind of, kind of give me away.
4: <laughs> so.
0: Yeah.
4: And like, um, and it is, a getting going, I know this is all going to a lot of life experiences, but, like, for me, like, um, before I, like, when I, when I finally did find out, like, what exactly autism I had, and what, like, that I had, that I had all these problems, like, it made me look back on, like, past experiences, and really realize, like, oh, that's why that person did it, that's why they directed me with this, or that's why this and that have, it like, it makes a lot of things fall into place and make more sense, and, like, which is one of the reasons why, like, people really should like it's such a big deal when you are able to like get um diagnosed earlier and tell that person what the diagnosis is as well yeah. i think it can really help a person understand and i think a big thing, oh, yeah.
1: a big thing that doesn't help him at all in this character in this movie is that i feel like his parents are also very uneducated about what's going on because at, at some point later in the movie he tells his mother that sarah has a learning dis- or an ld and she's like what is that even like she's never even heard that. That yeah. tells me that she, they put in no work when he was younger to like learn about this stuff and figure it out. They just kind of swept it under the rug. And that's a big mm-hmm. part of why he is the way that he is, which is kind of an unlikable jerk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I which... mean, we're known for being blunt, but like he is just kind of unpleasant sometimes. <laughs> yeah.
4: Well, and it raises.
1: I love that he
2: told that cop (laughs) that he was. He told the pig joke to
1: a cop. (laughs) Yeah, which is why he has been somehow. I don't know how this is even a law, but he is because he told a pig joke to a cop. Has been court ordered to go to this support group, drama (coughs) therapy, (laughs) at at the Jewish Community Center. But the as far as the him being unlikable stuff, it raises questions for me because we have a, a just try to make this quick but a a bit of a story my um my fiance has an autistic son who's just turned 18 he's about to move out i almost used the phrase high functioning but i've come to learn that that is not that's not a thing we say anymore so but he had that support growing up and had and and a mom who really dug deep on it to figure out like okay what you know what do i need what do i need to do to help him um, and he's he's had a job forever. He can he can take his truck apart and put it back together. I can't do that, so it's more the social you know things for him. But there have been times, as a parental figure to him, that you have to wonder in your head. For instance, he's refusing to do the dishes. Everyone has dishes for one week. It's on the chore chart, and he flat out will not do it. Is that is this a manifestation of his autism and something is going on, or is he just being a moody hormonal teenage asshole right now, you know, and trying to figure that out in the moment (laughs) is a challenge for sure. And that's someone who knows him well, let alone strangers that you meet out in the world, so.
2: Oh yeah, that's why a lot of us will start out or, you know, kind of get like similar disorders um, that we're diagnosed with, like oppositional defiant disorder. A lot of us are considered um, defiant. But a lot of times we do, like I said, with our flapping and our stems and all that, there's a relevance to it. Like we're doing it for a reason. I wonder with him is if it's a combination of being a teenager and then also sensory. Does he have sensory issues? Cause like, I don't like doing dishes either because I don't like my hands getting wet. I don't like touching dirty things. And so, and that's a big thing. I know I'm not the only autistic that feels that way. So that would be what I wondered.
1: I don't think it was that. It was more, he was very much in the middle of a project fixing his truck, mm. Mm. which he had taken apart and is kind of putting it back together and he's waiting on the right parts for it. It's very frustrating to him because he bought this truck himself and he's very proud of it, but it's always given him problems, so he's always having to fix it, which he's good at. But, so he was very, I think he was very, very fixated that day on this is what i'm doing right like all i'm doing today is fixing this truck and so when anyone came to him and said okay but for the good of the everyone else in this house we need clean dishes to eat off of you have to do the dishes and it just doesn't register maybe because it's like no no you don't understand i have to fix my truck right now and so it's that balance of like wanting to let him do his thing you know because he's super fixated on it but also Mm -hmm. like right but the dishes have to get done like (laughs) this is non-negotiable it's part of living here and being you know so it it became a balance, you know and we had to kind of figure it out but there have definitely been times that you just wonder like is he just being a jerk right now or is this (laughs) something you know is this an autism based response to something and that's yeah
2: well and I definitely think and knowing more context I definitely think it is because we are like start to finish people don't you agree Brevin where it's like if we get interrupted in the middle of something, it's very, very annoying because then it draws our attention away, and we tend to hyper focus and be very, like you said, fixated on certain things. And if we have something on our mind, it's going to be very, very distracting to do other
4: things. Yeah, I think um, I have done that where I'm like, um, like my mind can get lost in something, and like doing certain things they like can get me like way off track. I've, yeah, I've definitely gotten off track easily before. It's really easy to do
1: i kind of love how little we've talked about the movie specifically yeah, so far. I know. But, but, but i do i do want to get it is a movie podcast so we kind of have to at some yeah, point yeah um but yeah he's a, he tells he makes fun of homeless people he as we'll see he tells racist jokes and rape jokes yeah. and weird anti-semitic jokes and like he's just and a lot part of that is him not understanding why someone would be offended but also he's been encouraged by we see later on at the family gathering he has an uncle who's like this guy's the funniest tell me one of those awful jokes you know so he's been you yeah. know it's the one way sort of some of his relatives he's been able to connect with them if he tells them this horrible joke they can you know forget for a minute that he's different
4: and that's something that like i also i kind of got like mm-hmm. it's it's like when you've like grown up like in the environment he's grown up in and i've i've definitely been there where like i didn't understand like I made a joke and I didn't. And, I, and, and sometimes you think in your head it's super funny, and you get lost in it, and and you might say like, and it's not like what you think it is, or like, and, and there's like that miscommunication between what you say and what you're in your head. So I could definitely like understood that when if he if you've been telling this whole joke your entire life and it's always funny for this one person, um, but then you get out into the real world and, it's, and you find out it's not that funny. It, like that can be a thing that can like shock you sometimes i
2: guess i definitely agree with that um something i learned like in school was to become the class clown and i think a lot of us do that because we'll say things and like literally mean it but then people laugh because they think we're like joking around and so we just roll with it and we learn to kind of like say those really blunt things to get that laughing reaction from people. And that's our way of kind of fitting in a little bit. But yeah, we struggle with knowing like boundaries. <laughs> our boundaries and our filters are a little bit different <laughs> than neurotypical people. <laughs> well,
1: because that way, you know that they're laughing with you instead of right. at you. So you're kind of cutting them off at the pass and getting ahead of the yeah. curve on that. Um, yeah. His mother's played by... The late, great Jessica Walters, who just passed away, or Jessica Walter, I guess, no less, um, a couple weeks ago, in full Lucille Bluth from Arrested Development Mode. Like, she's just a really, really, like, just rich, old white lady and not, not cool. (laughs) She's, she's very good at playing, I'm sure she was a lovely person, but she is very, very good at playing someone you instantly cannot stand. (laughs) Yeah bitch
2: yeah exactly yeah. that's why i said it i'm here well you, you probably shouldn't but yeah she was she was terrible <laughs> she was a terrible human being and the dad was just checked out <laughs> from what i could tell he's just like whatever
1: yeah he's always but. just reading the paper and kind of nodding with whatever she says so he's definitely kind of not worn the pants i feel like for a while <laughs> Um, We see David on dating sites, and like Brevin said, masking there, trying to meet neurotypical women and going on dates with them. I guess a question that I had, and I don't want to, if you don't want to get too personal, that's absolutely fine, but I don't know, not knowing your guys' dating history per se, was it ever a thing, were you encouraged when you were younger, or sort of expected by peers, parents, friends, whatever, like, oh, you can kind of only date other neurodivergent people? Was there ever well, any in, kind of stigma as far as like, don't bother trying to date a neuro, like a neurotypical person because it's...
2: That would be something that's kind of difficult for me to really comment on just because I'm late diagnosed. I didn't know um, I was even autistic until I had an autistic child, which okay. is very common for women in my generation, especially. It's just kind of happens to be where we are in the whole, you know, process of things so i was always just like i dated a lot of people that really weren't good for me um i was drawn to people who are kind of toxic just because we struggle accepting ourselves because of all that internalized ableism like i've always known i was different but i didn't know it had a name so therefore i didn't necessarily pick someone by neurotype right necessarily yeah
4: i kind of on this, so some structure i was i never Really dated a lot growing up. <laughs> for me.
1: No um, judgment. I
4: That's had fine. People, it's hard. I had people who I liked or like crushed on, but I never really dated. Like I only really, I, I didn't, I never even started like the idea of dating so like I got into college. Like that was really the only time of time where I ever actually like had. And even now, I haven't had like that many relationships. I've, I've had literally two in my yeah. life. So.
2: Well, and Brevin, don't you think we're kind of like drawn to each other? Like without even knowing, a lot of times we end up in relationships with other neurodivergents. They might not be autistic, but they're neurodivergent in some way. And I don't know what it is. It's just like you just click, you know? So I think even without trying, a lot of times we end up with other neurodivergents. It's not necessarily a conscious thing. But nowadays, I know with the younger generations, they are. There are a lot... Um, that are looking for and choosing other neurodivergents just because in many ways it's easier. You don't, you know, you don't have necessarily as much of a language barrier. Now, it's still, I mean, you still have to struggle with your different I, sensory uh, needs and all that kind of stuff. But yeah.
4: Know, the only thing I actually appreciate about the movie is because like everyone who has autism or who has a neurodivergent is different in this yeah. movie. I really appreciate the differences, mm-hmm. because in, in their, like, on the, their level of autism, him being, he, like, like her being able to, like, have, we were, I'm just thinking of the end of the movie at this point, where um mm-hmm. he wasn't able to, like, figure out the amount of money needed, and she was able to, like, help him at the very end of the movie. And there were a lot of other movies throughout the movie that showed that they were, like, really different. Like, she was more active and she had, like, this, like, happy fear while he was more closed off. Mm-hmm. And, it would be, and there was those differences. Yeah,
3: like,
2: they kind of, in a weird way, like, complemented each other, like, in the end, um, because they were so different. They could kind of fill in for each other in the areas the other person, you know, didn't, wasn't as good at, basically.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I had one of the, actually the first guest who had signed up, who had a rough week and wound up having to to back out. Unfortunately, is married with a kid, and I was certainly mm-hmm. curious to ask him, like, okay, is your wife neurotypical? Is your wife neurodivergent as well? How did you know the? I know no one's required to educate me. That's not your job. But, no. Um, it's definitely something, especially based you know around this movie. It's just something I'm curious about if. There is sort of a stigma because I would imagine there's a little bit of a stigma amongst atypicals of like, you can't date an autistic girl. That's like, isn't that like taking advantage? Like isn't because there's a power dynamic there, you know, but I guess I don't know. I, I haven't experienced that or seen that in real life if that's a thing or if it's just my imagination
3: or what.
2: Well, and as as an autistic woman, that's something I definitely think we need to focus more on. We definitely need more inclusive, like sex education, especially in our schools and stuff, because they just throw us to the wolves, basically, especially if we don't know, like we're autistic. Then we're just going out in the dating scene and getting i mean yeah there are many times i was taken advantage of because it's like predators know you know they look for women like me where it's like they can tell that i'm a little naive or whatever um, or that i'm not gonna like they can manipulate me more so than maybe other women so that's definitely something that you have to think about but i think if the neurotypical person tries their best and really like lets their autistic partner lead, um, then I don't think necessarily it matters, you know, if two couples with different neurotypes are together.
1: Well, and how, and don't, don't take this the wrong way, please. You're both beautiful people. You're both very <sighs> handsome people who probably get hit on a lot. <laughs> how, how far into that do you say, just so you know, in case you haven't figured it out, I'm autistic and see what they, how, what their reaction is. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. is it an immediate, like, whoa, put on the brakes, Charlie, or is it,
2: um, for me, I'm openly autistic. So anyone I know, um, or would happen to, you know, be with or whatever, that's going to be something they know from day one. I'm open and proud about being autistic. My child is autistic and it's something that's like celebrated in our house. Um, it's not, yes, we're disabled, but being disabled isn't a bad thing, you know, especially if we can get the type of accommodations we need. So yeah, I'm really open about it.
4: Yeah, I'm also pretty open about it with most of my friends. As I haven't, I can't really speak so much a relationship because Okay, so like when I I didn't find, like when I found out that I, what the type of disability I actually had, it's still a rhythm that I never really thought of like asking about it, but like it was literally while, like when I had got into a relationship and I told my parents about it, and as soon as I told my parents, because my parents I guess never assumed that I would ever be in a relationship for one reason or another, and so when I told them about it, that's when they kind of like sat me down, they had to explain to me like, these are some things that like you have and you have to be careful of when I am it. So I didn't really get ever find out till I was in the middle of it. That's when I immediately told her. And for my second relationship I was in, I kind of talked, told her about it like, about like a weekend, so like, so still pretty early, but yeah, it's weird for me. <laughs> so.
1: Well, and someone might- It add, is hard. Someone might ask me like, okay, you have an 18 year old autistic man who lives in your house. Why didn't you have him on the show? I can tell you he's not a big talker, for one. And two, has zero interest in dating. So <laughs> probably wouldn't have related to this movie terribly
4: well at all. Um, see, I'm not a person. Sorry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, that's we come in every variety just like neurotypicals. I mean, sure. there are people... Now, I should bring this up while we're on the subject. LGBTQIA+ people are more or autistics are more likely to be in that community especially um trans and MB. so yeah i mean we have people of every race every sexuality every you know everything so yeah yeah (laughs) if he's not interested there's a lot i mean and he might when he gets older but you know for him maybe right now it's just focusing on his truck and his stuff and that's good enough. Sure.
1: Yeah he's looking to go to flight school and learn how to fly Ooh. like his granddad so
2: That's awesome.
1: I can tell Emily immediately especially especially knowing that you were someone who was diagnosed very late, that you have had to and learned to advocate for yourself in a big, big way. Yeah. That's the vibe (laughs) I get off you, and that's very, very cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I consider myself like an advocate. I do a lot of online bitching (laughs) about things, especially I've just gotten on Twitter like in January. But yeah, I'm pretty loud and proud and fighting for our people. Um, we've got a long way to go in the disability community as far as even having equal rights. Being a diagnosed autistic in many places, actually you lose civil rights, which is messed up in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of things we need to do. So I feel like with the kind of privilege I have, I should use that um, to help my people and just get us forward as much as we can. <laughs>
1: Because I feel like, and again, as an outsider sort of looking in, it seems to me that there's a lot of resources and a lot of support for children diagnosed with with autism or any sort of a learning disorder or neurodivergence. But kind of once you're an adult, they're kind of like, yeah, off you go, Have fun with oh, yeah. not was... you know, you're on your own now, which seems not probably the best way to do it.
4: Yeah, that's definitely a big issue. I remember I had, like, whenever we were trying to get, like, help throughout school or things like that, um, that was a big issue that we had, like, you're not kidding, or, like, they're not going to give you anything, any real help in that. I remember I had to, like, I was actually in this, um like, we actually, like, applied for this um disability RDO once before. And like the amount of pressure we had to put on to like keep it keep it going for as long as we did was really hard, but we kept it going on for like a bit, to my outdoor years as well. So until I was like nineteen, so, longer than most,
3: but it's still yeah. hard. Yeah,
2: there are like very few um, appropriate transition programs for adult autistics when you make that that leap from either high school to adult life, or if you go off to college or whatever. And we're people that really struggle with change. And so we, yeah, Revan's laughing because, you yeah. know, yeah. we don't like change.
4: Oh, hundred <laughs> percent.
2: So we really need those kind of services and it's like, yeah, they really do focus on kids and it's like, people don't even realize that you don't grow out of autism. There are autistic adults out here and we don't have any services hardly. Well, and as far as disability in general, it's not funded well. And then with us being kind of invisible most of the time, it's just like, oh shoot, yeah, we're, we're kind of stuck <laughs> and left to ourselves. And that's why you see many of us um, struggle with homelessness, jail, you know, mental health issues, all that kind of stuff, alcoholism, um, Drug abuse, just because we're not getting the kind of support that we need.
1: Definitely, David brags a lot about his cousin Matt Cohen, who's (laughs) an actor on Broadway, who's sort of his favorite cousin, his favorite relatives, and he kind of uses as an in to, you know,
3: in conversations
1: to be like, "Oh, you probably know my cousin. He's super famous." Like, but it also probably makes him feel even more like the black sheep or the, you know, like. I have to keep this under wraps because like my cousin's super cool. I have to be super cool too, you know?
2: When a lot of times, well, at least for me, I know that there's people that I end up, that I've ended up like admiring throughout my life. And without even meaning to, we kind of, Try to become those people, um, we mine, especially for late diagnosed, we just kind of have learned to like pick up those kind of things and become the person that we like, whether we mean to or not. Um, so I see a lot of that with him, where it's like, okay, he really wants to kind of be that person, he wants to be his cousin. So, yeah, he he talks about him a lot, he knows about him a lot, and he tries to act like him. I think a lot of
1: a lot of times so he's been yeah he's been court ordered to go to this the jewish community center to this sort of drama therapy that's where we meet sarah the other main character and kind of the rest of the cast of actually autistic actors one of whom is gay like you're you saying the L L i can't talk yeah lgb <laughs> Yeah. There's
2: a lot now. It's LGBTQIA, I go. believe.
1: It's not that I don't know yeah, it,
4: it's my just God. my mouth think, is dry. So.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I know
4: usually a lot he will just use at the plus at the end. So.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, LGBTQ plus or whatever. Oh yeah, I mean that's like, there's a bunch of us, that's autistic culture right there. We're, there's a bunch of us that are like somewhere on that spectrum. Um, I'm pan, which means, I don't know if you're familiar, but it means like, Sure,
1: but some of our listeners might not be. So go ahead.
2: Yeah. I just, you know, I don't care about like what kind of parts you've got or what gender that you, um, identify as or anything like that. I kind of just, it's who you are as a person basically. And I know other, you know, other, um, sexualities do that too. I'm not saying they don't just pick by specific people, but you, you kind of get what I'm saying. Um, I don't care what genitals you have. Right. <laughs> so yeah there's a bunch of us that are like gay (laughs) so it's not that's very common
1: (laughs) sarah and david get assigned by sort of the teacher of the group to do this project where they have to go to the brooklyn bridge and david wants to blow it off in fact he tries to pay sarah to like just go do it yourself like i want nothing to do with this i don't even want to be in this support group it's stupid that i'm here but i don't want to go to jail (laughs) Like I still don't know. He must have done something other than just insult a cop to have be yeah. risking jail time. Like I know well, cops... I'm wondering if
2: he just didn't know when to stop. You know, we're kind of oh. those kind of people too. Like we don't know when to stop the joke or when like I don't know. I tell jokes all the time that I think are hilarious and then other people are like, No <laughs> like, they don't laugh. So I'm sure it was kind of that situation where he's like kept going and it just probably spiraled from there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that could be. I just felt like he must have been getting, like, in trouble for something else. And then mm. on top of that, added the joke. Because, I mean, I know our cops and jujitsu system are pretty far gone at this point. But I still can't mm. see, especially in New York City, somebody getting jail time for calling a cop a pig. Like, it happens it's, probably a thousand times a day. So, I, who knows Who it's, knows it's, what it's, it's, We don't get little, all the backstory I, there.
4: I know. I think yeah. there's a little business, but you'll disbelieve a little bit with that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah
2: well and something we should bring up well that's a discussion though is that what a lot of people don't realize our focus right now is on um black people and all the stuff you know well and anyone who's a person of color they struggle more with violence from police but then if you add on the disability um, onto that, the, the disabled community is at huge risk um, from police violence. I've been arrested twice for autism related things. So yeah, like many of us get killed, hurt, traumatized every year just for being disabled and you know, they don't have the proper training. Um, a meltdown or tits and things like that often look to people who are like uneducated on it. It looks like drugs. I mean, people think we're on drugs or something, aggression. Um, from overwhelm, often is taken wrong. So we really, really have to work on highlighting that too, um, because there are there have been several autistics now of color, or you know people who are disabled who have been killed by police officers, and a lot of times. You know, we focus um, on the race, which is very important, but we also need to bring up, too, that many of them are disabled. Um, I don't know if they've confirmed it yet or not, but Makia, you know, the little girl that was just killed, 16 years old. Yeah. Um, there have been talk that she was actually autistic. I don't know if that's been confirmed yet or not, but you know, that's something that's common in our community. We have to be very wary of, of police officers.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't be surprising because it happens far too often. And I mean, we, there's all this talk about defund the police. I say, rather than that, take the funds that you put into buying tanks and body armor and high power velocity bullets and put it into training these people to see these things to see you know you know what
2: do you what do you think brevin especially (laughs) especially since you're black and everything like i'm sure you have some kind of perspective on this that's like Um, you know
4: uh...
2: (laughs) (laughs) not to put you
4: on the spot sorry um i mean you hear a lot of the pretty a lot of the really good points um that i yeah i think that um,
2: I was going to say, have you been, like, followed in stores or, like, been hassled by police officers because you're and black? I, and I
4: think, yeah, it's happened before. Like, um, I know I was in, like, a Dollar General once by myself. And I ended up tell my dad about this at one point. Um, but, like, I, mean, I was always really big on, like, a lot of that type of thing where, like, I was in, like, like, I was, like, by myself, and, like, I guess I was messing with the, um, like, 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 like I have that thing where you, sometimes you, you have the need to, like, touch things, like, randomly, even when you're not supposed to, like, you just see something, you just, like, have the need to touch it. Um, and I was, like, grabbing things off the shelf without thinking about it, and, um, I think someone, like, thought I was trying to steal it because of the way I was acting about it, I guess.
3: <laughs> well, a lot I'm of so times, do
2: yeah. People think uh. that we're, like liars or we get accused of being liars or being kind of sneaky a lot of times just because the social norms um, of neurotypicals are so different than ours. What's normal for us looks kind of shady (laughs) to neurotypical people. So adding that onto any other kind of intersection put, you know, uh, minority plus autistics at a higher risk, especially.
1: It's a nightmare. So we see David out on a date, one of his uh, dating website dates, uh, with a woman, which he completely ruins by yeah telling like a Bill Cosby rape joke, and she's Ugh. like, "Cool, I'm going to the bathroom. See you in a minute." And she's out, obviously, which he doesn't grasp right away. He's the next scene we see is him outside the women's bathroom, like calling, like, "Hey, are you still in there? I'm waiting out here." Like, but she's gone home, brother. Like, <laughs> well,
2: yeah, I mean, especially with like you know once. Um, Once again, logical norms, like for him, he probably was like, oh, I'm telling a joke and she's going to the bathroom and then waiting. And he's just like slow to pick up on the fact that like, no, 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 like she's gone, dude, like she's not coming back. You really scared her off. So.
1: Well, we also see during this date the first instance of his tics, which get worse when he's anxious or nervous or excited or whatever where he has yeah he has sort of a snort and kind of an exclamation that yeah he passes off it's like oh it's just really dry and my nose is my allergies you know and it comes up kind of again and again during the movie we see him he's super proud of i mean speaking of projects that are, you can get fixated on he's editing together he's making a movie he's calling himself a filmmaker And he's editing together like old home movies of him from like a wedding reception or something with weird footage of like nuclear bombs going off and war and plane crashes. And he's he's trying to tell this story that I think most people will, as Sarah does later, will look at and go, I don't get what you're trying to say here. But he's super proud of it. He's super into it. He's always bragging about it. Like, no, I'm a filmmaker and it's going to be in a film festival and all this.
3: We're Um, outside
2: the box thinkers. That's for sure. (laughs) We do things that people don't understand that make certain, you know, like perfect sense to us. Um and I'm sure for him, like there's there's something there that the rest of us aren't getting. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but um yeah, that's obviously like one of his special interests. Um, which all of us have at least one usually going at one time. I usually have at least several. <laughs> so yeah. We get like really set on that. And even if it doesn't make sense to other people, it's like really important to us.
4: Yeah. Um I have to talk about this a little bit because like i i like i immediately relate to this a lot because um i actually also consider myself like i i do like um like youtube videos and things like that and one of my majors in college is film um studies and things like that but i remember like growing up i made like um like creations similar to that where like i think like i'm making like something like deep and complex <laughs> i was just be just like mashing random things together and just like and seeing and and, and thinking and just thinking like that like I've definitely done I've I've been there before basically like like for me like there's so much about David's characterization in the movie that I just immediately relate to I've definitely done a lot of those things before do those he was
2: definitely to me like a recognizable like i mean i'm sure like for him that's probably what he you know how he naturally is or whatever or that's what they're going for with the character but he is kind of what you would consider a lot of times like a male autistic stereotype a little bit just because he is kind of like more there are many you know that you'll see that are like more reserved or whatever not saying anything and then she was kind of like what a lot of uh our tropes are as autistic women the man at pixie dream girl or whatever um you know just very loud and out there so
1: now those these interests that you get sort of hooked on or fixated on do those are those can be those be like a lifetime thing or do they switch out a lot because i know with my fiance's son it was when he was little it was titanic he was obsessed with titanic for a couple months and then it became my little pony and then it became world war ii And then it became Mm -hmm. russia for some reason and then it became (laughs) vietnam like where he's super interested for a span of you know three to six months he's super interested in one thing and then it kind of evolves into this other thing and then he's super interested in that is that Um, your experience as well or do you have more long lasting
2: well for me i have like different layers of special interest i call them spins um but yeah i have a bunch of different spins and there's some that are lifetime spins and those are usually like the broader ones like reading, nature, animals, that I'm going to have my entire life. But then when it comes to more specific ones, those are usually kind of cyclical. Um, I was really into The Walking Dead for a while. And then, you know, I kind of got out of it because it changed too much and changed. But um, yeah. yeah, we're all a little bit different with that. But I think there is kind of different levels of spin.
1: One, well, because brother, yeah. you're way into anime, right? yeah looking at your uh, looking at your twitter profile anyway it seems like yeah. that's uh, a major major <laughs> interest of yours and a lot i mean that's uh, a lot of people too but
4: yeah i haven't did that when i was like a kid that's something that has definitely stuck with me for a long time probably the probably like the strongest interest i have um later on like, adventure games like comics things like that i i've now kind of like down to like i just like storytelling but yeah i think like interest can be like a weird thing like because like it depends on what type of autism you have. Like I have a friend named Gwen who is, her interest is very, very like, she's also autistic and her interest is very small. Like she specifically only likes Marvel, MCU type of story. And you can bring other things in and and she'll like take them in for like a little bit and throw them out. Like it is very much like take in, throw out. But for the most part, it's gonna be like that. But like, like me, like it's, it can be a little bit more broad, but it's still in that, in a certain type of like I guess area. Like I, def- I definitely kind of feel like for me, like when I was like a little kid, like I was definitely super into like trains and things like that. Uh, where, I, where I have like like I, I had a huge interest in like railroads and like. Damn it, you know, Revan, You're
2: telling them something that they that's a trope. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I mean the They're gonna be like, see they all like trains all <laughs> <laughs> like one. trains. <laughs> cool.
4: Yeah. That was something I was doing when I was little and I've like grown out of it a little bit, but it still sometimes comes up every now and then. But <laughs> definitely stuff like anime and things like that are something kinda of stuck while other things have sort of moved away, but I don't think it's weird, I guess. It, winters are weird
2: <laughs> <laughs> well and like i said everyone's different so like their spins are going to be different a lot of times i find new ones just connected you know somewhere along the way with an old one and i'm like ooh, okay i go over here but yeah then i have lifetime ones like being a writer a reader uh, taking care of animals that kind of thing so yeah it varies
1: <laughs> well shout out shout out to gwen the mcu head I'm, um, <laughs> so it sounds like somebody I would get along with. Um, so on, on their way to go to this Brooklyn Bridge project that they're supposed to do, they're supposed to go visit it and write about it. Sarah's fine with taking the bus. David insists he hates the bus. You're coming with me in a taxi. If we have to do this, and he has a real, says he has a real problem with the bus. He says he's got accosted by a homeless guy on the bus once and it put him off buses forever. But judging by the final scene of the movie, I feel like that's more masking. That's kind of a bullshit story. And the reason that he doesn't take the bus, I mean, in addition to having a driver his whole life who just drives him around wherever he wants, is because he can't figure out the exact change, which is kind of where the title of the movie comes from as well.
2: Mm -hmm. I loved that. It's like at the end, I'm like, oh, there it is. There's the connection. (laughs) Well, and one thing I, I, I think you're right on that. And that's something you'll often see, you know, that's why we kind of try to get away from functioning labels and stuff, because they're very inaccurate, Um, where Brevin and I might be considered like high functioning. That's very misleading. It's our spectrum is not linear. I think of it more as like a, a sphere. And we all have a little combination of traits. For me, I'm hyperlexic and I have dyscalculia. So I'm like David, and I don't know what the hell's going on with like, I mean, I'm good with money, but like, as far as math. Mm-mm. Like I bombed all my math classes, but I could read, like I taught myself how to read when I was three years old or four years old. So it's that kind of, you know, just a little bit of everything mashed together. And we're all kind of different that way where he, he plays it off or makes excuses for it. But yeah, he's, he probably just is, uh, which is, it's basically like dyslexia for letters or numbers.
1: <laughs> right. For numbers. And the problem with the term, and I just learned this because I I don't know everything either. The problem with the terms high-functioning and low-functioning is that it's based on IQ tests, which is not cover, you know, that doesn't cover your social skills. That doesn't cover your, Mm -hmm. you know, sensory things. That doesn't. So that's why those labels need to go.
2: Well, and also a lot of times functioning labels are used to deny high-functioning autistics with services and those that would be considered right. low functioning with autonomy. A lot of times, yeah, you can actually lose your rights to make your own decision, things like that. Well, and and it's so biased. It's so ableist how we are put in there. that Yeah, it just ends up hurting everybody in the long run. It's better to kind of just consider us all autistic, <laughs> you know. Sure. Because we are. We okay. have our strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. And people, like, will think, I mean, I'm a semi-speaker and no one would know that except that I tell them because obviously I talk a lot. So it's like, how are you a semi-speaker? Well, (laughs) I am. It's just, unless you know a lot about us um, and are really educated on it, it's just, people make a lot of assumptions
1: that are wrong. So when they get done with the Brooklyn Bridge assignment and they're getting ready to part ways, um, David has sort of told her like, you irritate me. Like she has little turns of phrases that she likes that are like cutesy little things and they drive him crazy, Mm -hmm. he can't stand it. And he he tells her like, why do you talk like that? Why can't you be like, you're better than everyone else in that group. He's basically telling her like, you could hide too, if you wanted to, you could mask Mm -hmm. too. And she's like, "Oh, this is just the way I talk. It's fine. But she refers to him as, I have it in quotes because it made me laugh, really smoking hot and so sexy. Like she comes off like, she's very free and open sexually as well. And yeah. that kind of takes him aback because she just comes right out and says it. And then they part ways, but it's enough to get him to, because he had been like, mom, I don't want to go to this stupid group anymore. And she's like, you have to, or you'll go to jail and think of how that will affect your father. Not worried about him going to jail, worried about <laughs> You know, <laughs> what, ri- what rich white dad is going to, what it's going to do to his social standing. So he's hated to go to this. He didn't want to go, but now he's kind of falling for her a little bit. And so he goes on the weekend when he's not even assigned to go. He's not forced to go then, but he's like, I'm going to go this weekend. And his mom's like, why would you do that? He's like, I don't know. We know why.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And I okay. mean, that is like startling, I think, for a lot of neurotypicals because... The way society is set up is that you're supposed to kind of like fudge a lot, you know, like lie a little bit. Um, It's just normal. Or there's things that don't make sense to us as autistics, like, hey, how are you? And you're not supposed to actually tell people how you are. You're supposed to be like, oh, hi. It's like a greeting. And that kind of stuff seems weird and unnecessary to us. We're just very, a lot of us are just very open and matter of fact like how she was later on when she was talking about <laughs> their sex and everything like that. I mean, and everyone's like squirming, which we'll get to that, I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah, we're just kind of, a lot of us are really blunt and don't have that filter and don't see why we need to because it just makes more sense to just be honest.
1: Yeah, so he goes on the weekend and there's sort of, the rest of the group is getting ready to do whatever the sort of production that they're putting on is. Uh, the one guy Sammy is super like when he finds out that David's cousin is Matt Cohen he's like oh my god I'm gonna I'm gonna marry that guy I love that guy and well now he won't stop talking about him either and here we see that Sarah is not not a good singer I mean she goes for it with gusto and she loves doing it but her voice is not where it needs to be and that will be important later as well after that David asks Sarah out and gives her a kiss and we're kind of off to the races as far as their relationship goes he tells her a racist joke and she she doesn't get it she's like we're you know words have multiple meanings I don't understand what you're like, she, just, she doesn't get his jokes she wants to very badly she so badly wants to mm-hmm. get his jokes because she can tell it's important to him that he makes her laugh mm-hmm. but she just doesn't she does not understand what he's trying to say
2: well and that just goes to show that even though you know we're autistic we still struggle I mean it's considered a communicative disorder or a disability and so even sometimes we struggle with talking to each other I know as a late diagnosed autistic, I've had to relearn autistic communication because I've kind of been taught to expect neurotypical responses. And so sometimes I'm like offended and then I'm like, wait a minute, this is an autistic person. You know, we're just, we're just direct like that. So yeah, it's, it's a challenge sometimes.
1: And he is sort of warned by, because when he asked her out, he's like, how about Monday night? And she's like, no, that's such and such night. And every night of the week, she has something going on. Friday night is show tunes night. She can't miss show tunes night. She lives with her grandmother, who takes care of her as best she can. And he asks, David asks Sammy about, he's like, well, I'm just going to show up to, I know I'm not invited, but I'm going to show up to show tunes night cause, to see Sarah. And Sammy's like, no, 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 don't do that. Forget I meant, forget I said anything about show tunes night. Don't come to that we don't really know why that is at first until David shows up there and we find out that Sarah sort of ish has a boyfriend. This other guy in the group who very much has sort of claimed her as like, there's Sarah, my girlfriend, sing for me, my dear. Like, which she didn't say anything about, but I don't think to her that until David comes along, because she's, again, very freewheeling. It's kind of explained to David that she kind of sleeps with everybody, which he doesn't take very well, but that's not, it's... Which, I mean, which is a stupid thing to be mad at to begin with, but then on adding her autism on top of that, I don't know how much that affects her, you know... Or She's just like, yeah, sex is just a thing you do. What's the big deal? Like, you know, but he's real hung up.
2: Well, and that's, I think, also like um, probably like how our genders are socialized, too. Like, I'm surprised she wasn't more because as a woman, I've always been shamed, you know, for being sexual in any way at all. But then also, yeah, as we've gotten older, a lot of us don't understand or see like the point and and being dishonest about those kind of things, or, you know, as long as you're safe and both people are enjoying themselves, like who cares kind of thing. But I know I've I've been judged a lot, often unfairly for things in the past that were one, a lot of rumors that weren't true, but two, also just being kind of like open about that kind of stuff. And then also the way autistic women come off, I think a lot of times, is a lot of people think I'm flirting when I'm not flirting so I think people assume like I'm kind of a tease or you know I'm boy crazy or whatever what do or, you think or
1: Revan as, like or, or as they call Sarah a manizer <laughs> <In> mm-hmm. <hand.
4: laughs> I I I know I, never, I, never, I never thought that, that something was like kind of interesting weird interesting at the same time I'm just hearing your perspective on it because uh, I've um I guess it makes some level of sense. I've never, like, I guess, thought about something like that, I guess.
3: (laughs)
2: <laughs> something else to point out though is the routine thing. Don't you think Brevin? Like yeah. a lot of that had to do with routine because we are really set on those. They're very important to us. That's what keeps yeah, us.
4: That's, that was something I can definitely understood when, when her um, wanting to go see the show tunes and her wanting to take the bus every single day. Like I understood mm-hmm. those things. Yeah, I have mean, I've had, well, had a huge problem with routine myself where mm-hmm. like anything will change. fact, right? like just moving from different, different schools was a huge issue for me. Um, like anything about leaving the house is kind of an issue, like anytime I move to another place or a new location or do anything that's different out of my norm, like that that forces me to be, to do something different, like I hate, I am mm-hmm. <laughs> compassion. Because mm-hmm. uh, I I like kind of like and then, and then you kind of try to get back used to things and then things change again and it's just that's something else too. Yeah, and we see. Well, that... and
2: last minute changes are really the worst. Like yeah. if, if we know ahead of time at least, that gives us time to prepare. But last minute, it's like ah no. That's when meltdowns happen.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like some like, some people want to do they like some people kind of like to like plan. I really like planned things out for every, every, every little thing like only I always I always hate it and my um my stuff that does is a lot to me whenever like he comes in at like random moments of time like when he decides like hey uh son I know you I don't know what you were planning to do today but you're going to get going to get a haircut you want to you coming or not and you're just like I, don't, I wasn't planning on that though I I, I want to do other well. <laughs> <laughs> you have to, like, let me know right ahead of time.
1: And we see that big time with Sarah in the movie because when they're first done with the Brooklyn Bridge thing, he's like, all right, cool, see you later. Like, have fun getting home. And she's like, no, 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 no. Like, this is not my bus stop. And he's like, what do you mean? She's like, I take that bus stop from the JCC and I know the route to my grandma's. I can't just get on some other bus stop and follow. Like, I she can't do it. And so that's why right. he has to, like, buy and, like, pay for her like, cab to take it. Like, or, no, he walks her all the way back. To her bus stop because she just can't. She's like, that's the way that I go every day. You don't understand.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, yeah. My kid, when she was little, would sit in the back seat in her little car seat and if I took a different way to a certain place she'd be like no mom you're going the wrong way and I'm like no we're just going this way because we have to go here first (laughs) she's like no so yeah that is kind of a thing where we get set on our routines and any little change kind of throws us off it's overwhelming because then we have to think about all the different things that are different
1: so, when David finds out that Sarah maybe has a boyfriend, he gets upset and leaves and takes it out on a homeless guy and is just shouting to this guy, like, <laughs> You're a bum. What is wrong Fuck with you, him and homeless
2: bum. guys? Like, why does he hate homeless people so much?
1: Well, part of it, I think, is being rich. He's probably heard that from his parents. He's probably heard that, like, oh, these poor people, oh, yeah, look at them, true. you know? How do they let their lives get to this point? But also, we hear when he. There's a point where we see him talking to someone, he messages someone on the dating site and they're like, hey, I went out with you two years ago, you were a jerk, <laughs> fuck off. And he gets really upset with himself and is like hiding under his pillow and he's like, you're a bum, he's screaming himself. So he has a real thing about like, he doesn't want to be a bum, He, you know, that's his wording. So yeah, I don't know what his ingrained sort of issue with homeless people is, but he really, yeah. I think he's you, have, yelling I think at this you guy.
4: made a good point about the whole, like, cause his parents are pretty terrible and him having money yeah i think that could do that to a person i didn't even see that but that makes a lot of sense to me (laughs) eat the rich
3: (laughs) sorry
4: (laughs) for sure um
1: so david takes sarah on a date to coney island he's scared to go she's super excited to go on all the rides he's scared to go on any rides and has a little bit of a meltdown has a little bit of a you know his tics are coming out a lot they're riding on like the only thing he'll sort of go on is the merry-go-round with the the horses Mm -hmm. and he starts even that is putting him off and he starts doing his snorts and his exclamations and kids are staring at him and that just makes it worse for him because now he's getting paid attention to for it and so here we see very much that while he is better at some things than sarah is and can mask easier and whatever there are things she is Better at than he is. And this is one of them that she's very sort of fearless. And he is very fearful in a lot of ways.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, and that that comes back to what I was saying as far as like functioning labels and stuff and how they're so misleading because we are so different. And a lot of it depends on sensory. Seems to me like he's a hypersensitive kind of like me because he gets bothered by like noise in his ears a lot. So something like a merry-go-round or any of those rides, you'd have the lights, you'd have the spinning, you'd have even the air, I mean, I can, I can hear electricity. Okay. So like, you know, it's very intense for those of us who are hypersensitive. So yeah, it's just like not his thing, but I also can see how it is her thing because some of us are thrill seekers. (laughs) You know, if she's, if she's hyposensitive, then she's going to go craving, you know, those extreme kind of experiences,
1: which could play into why she's so sexual as well. Mm -hmm. yeah exactly so they he takes her to see his cousin matt cohen's play and they watch it and afterwards he's trying to get past the security guy and he's like no you don't understand my cousin's in there he'd want me to go in and the guy's Mm -hmm. like look man you're not on the list so i don't know and he's very much wanting to i think it feel like it's more about showing off to sarah than it is about i need to Mm -hmm. see my cousin yeah and he kind of doesn't get why the security guard's like look i don't i don't a i don't know that you're his cousin b even if you are It's not my, like, he can come out and get you if he wants, but I'm not letting you in here. And it becomes a whole Mm -hmm. sort of argument.
2: Yeah. Well, and a lot of us have, like, this fairness thing. I don't know. Maybe Brevin can explain it better. But it's, like, we're really set, a lot of us are, on fairness and things being done right not necessarily that we have to be right but that things are done correctly it's more about a correctness thing because we need order so we're bringing order to the world in like having these rules a lot of times it's called like black and white thinking but I mean for us like you guys are in the gray area so much that for us <laughs> we like that black and white
4: yeah I definitely can kind of see that I definitely have like I've never been in that point where i like I like like things to be easy and simple for me and like I never really have had that. It, it's probably one of my biggest why. I, I have a sister and she's like the exact opposite of me in a lot of ways. And um, she doesn't she and she's big she's real on like disorder, <laughs> and and I think it can drive it tends to drive me up for, like up a hill a lot of times the way like she like does things a lot of times and the reason you didn't like there's a less care about fairness a lot of the times with her so yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> well it's like there's a right way and a wrong way why is she doing it wrong <laughs> yeah
4: yeah
1: so after the play he takes her to an italian restaurant and he makes the mistake of because he's very distracted trying he's leaving voicemails for matt like hey we're at the restaurant now why don't you come meet us and sort of steps out to make a phone call or go to the bathroom or something and he's like order whatever you want because she doesn't understand any of the because the menu is sort of in italian and she doesn't quite understand what she's looking at so she just orders one of everything while he's gone and he comes back and is like oh shit there's all this food which winds (laughs) up being he winds up getting yelled at by his mom because it's a 900 dollar bill that he rang up at this restaurant because she ordered one of everything.
2: They look like they can afford it.
1: <laughs> that was so funny. That
2: was good, though.
1: So she takes him to her grandma's, where she lives, um, and he meets grandma, and she says, like, grandma offers him tequila, and she's like, grandma's an alcoholic. Which is fun, a funny line, too. And he shows her his film, and she's confused by it, and then they have sex, which she very much initiates and is very... Mm. And it's kind of, for all of his sort of dating experience or maybe lack there, you know, I guess we don't know if he's a virgin or not per se, but she definitely mm-hmm. has to instruct him in things. Yeah. Which she says in mixed company <laughs> later, she sort of announces <laughs> to the room that, like, I had to show him how to do everything, which is embarrassing <laughs> for him. But then they, trying to. I've had you guys for a while, so I'm trying to burn through this a little quick. No, um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no problem. I don't want to keep you guys here all night. Then there's a scene at the, all, all of the support group is at a sort of dinner party and everybody sort of is cheersing. Cause they all know that David and Sarah are together now and things are going pretty well. So they get sort of cheers and applauded at this dinner party. It's time to sign up for more time with this support group or more classes with the support group at the Jewish Community Center for the fall. And David doesn't. And it upsets Sarah because she's like, why, like, I'm gonna be here. Why don't you wanna be here? And he's like, well, cause my time is, that's what I was ordered to do. We're hanging out outside of this now. I don't need to come here anymore. But he wants, sarah to come sort of to make it up to her he's like well my family goes to florida every year Mm -hmm. to their other their vacation house and you should come with us." invites her along which his mom is very much opposed to Mm -hmm. because he's trying to tell her like oh i have a girlfriend now she's sarah and she's great and yeah mom is like okay we don't just invite strangers to come with us to florida like it's a family thing yeah you can
2: definitely tell where he learned his ableism because ableism is you know it's a learned thing Um, I don't think we, you know, come out that way. And she's been a strong influence in that, in his internalized ableism, I think. Because she is. That woman's a witch.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she's very dismissive of, especially when he tells her, like, oh, she's like me. She has autism like me, you know. And she kind of doesn't want to hear it. She's like, no, 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 no. Why don't you, like, go back on the dating sites. What happened to the girls on the dating sites that you liked? Like, so she's very much pushing him to be with someone, quote, unquote, normal, you know. Mm
4: -hmm. But that's,
1: again, that's not about, him or his happiness it's more about her the appearance for the family and it's so shitty it's so shitty yeah. it drives me crazy but he winds up he does wind up bringing sarah or i guess this isn't a florida this is sort of a gathering before they're gonna go to florida and she meets this whole large family and she's delightful throughout the party but she is a, a lot and people kind of don't know what to make of her because she talks a lot and and, and loudly and and she's very loves to meet everyone and she's very happy to see everyone and they're kind of like who is this person I don't understand and mom is definitely not having it cuz she's like there's a super rude thing where she comes over and she's like cuz she's been watching her sort of eat
2: right the radishes yeah
1: she's eating <laughs> I thought the radishes it was so rude she's eating the radishes off of the tuna tray or something and she comes over and she's like have you had enough to eat dear like really passive aggressive and sarah kind of picks up on it more than you would think and she's kind of like no I'm good I'm okay now and then stops eating by the time
2: we are adults, we do, I mean, we do learn, at least in my instance, because like I said, we're all different. We do kind of pick up when we're being made fun of. Uh, sometimes it's later on or delayed, but I know even in the moment, I can, I've started to recognize like, like the body movements and the tone of voice and the passive-aggressive type of stuff. So I'm sure she did pick up on it. By the time we're adults, we kind of have, or it's been explained to us in some way or another.
4: Yeah, that's something, yeah, that's definitely a big thing because um, it's usually delayed for me, but there was a time when I was, like, younger where I um, didn't pick up on stuff as easily, but, like, now, like, it's a lot, I I, I, I never, like, like, I always thought, like, I would, be, you know, I wouldn't be able to pick up being as like, easily as I am now, but I think, I don't know, I guess now I can, of can So I, it's the same for me in a lot of ways, that aspect. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're just like everyone else and that we do pick up skills, you know, along the way. And so by the time we're adults, we've learned to recognize that many of us, <laughs> at least with me, uh, you know, I become kind of like jaded a little bit, um, just kind of waiting watching to see um how people react to me just because like her i'm a lot <laughs> you know i'm very big <laughs> like i mean i talk with my hands i jump around a lot and i talk loud <laughs> so yeah we can be a lot
4: <laughs> so that night yeah um I I, 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 I sorry <laughs> I, right, I just wanted to bring this one up too like um, cause i know that like sometimes whenever you're um, uh, people also don't have the tendency to like pick up a. We have a tendency about like, pick up a pick that we've seen kind of like uh, like kind of what's the word like duplicate them, I guess, like, Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, work. mimic. Yeah, mimic. That's the way I'm looking yeah. for. Yeah, I know that's something that like, and that's something I learned how to do, like from a pretty young age, like mimicking to like make myself seem. Yeah, it's hard to be. Yeah, like minimalist. you fake. Do you fake
2: yeah. your your way through it and then try yeah. to figure it out later? Yeah, yeah. that's a <laughs> thing. That is so <laughs> a thing. Like we've <laughs> learned how to just kind of play along and fake through it, and then later try to work it out. And it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> now I see what was going on.
1: <laughs> so that night, Cousin Matt arrives, and David is very excited. Can't wait to introduce Sarah to him. And they're sitting down with Cousin Matt and his new fiance. And David kind of bright. David's kind of like, Oh, we're we're getting married too. Well, at least we're you know we're talking about it. We'll see. And they've been going out for like two weeks. Here's oh God, it's so heartbreaking. So she starts singing, which David has always said like, you know, okay, yeah, you're a great singer, baby. I love it. And her other quote unquote boyfriend been was very much into her singing but she starts singing and she sort of won't stop she just kind of doesn't get the hint that like okay that's enough and david is like okay you can stop now it's right in my like it's right in my ear stop nobody and she won't stop and so he's like you need to stop no one wants to hear your singing because you no, you don't sing good and it's so heartbreaking to watch because she is such a good i hope it's acting and she works, but i mean such a good actress because you the the crestfallen look on her face where she went from adoring this man and trying to like show off to his family to being like crushed by his words is so fuck it's almost like hard to watch it's so good oh
2: my gosh it was it was so hard and then you could see like their like everyone else's discomfort. And I had like secondhand cringe yeah. <laughs> when I was watching it. I hate watching like really uncomfortable things because then it makes me uncomfortable. But that look on her face and her just like leaving like that. I so relate to that. That is me. Like all it takes is like one wrong comment and I'm like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> I'm leaving.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> she no, also- I mean, I'm
2: really sensitive to people's criticism. <laughs>
4: oh uh, I'm the same way. <laughs> I can be like, create like when I get close it like, I like internalize it really easily. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I oh, end yeah. up like shutting down, and then like, like just like not wanting to talk. I I did that to my friend. Um, like I I play a game of BD with a group of friends, and I remember. Nice. yeah (laughs) there was this one game um with my boy and my friend dylan um he's like a good friend of mine but um sometimes he can get like like really angry at me at some at some point i remember once i had did something like really stupid and he he ended up like kind of like blasting me about it and after that, like, for like a whole like month, I pretty much didn't play any games with him for like a month mm-hmm. after that because I internalized it so much.
2: Brevin, do you hold grudges?
4: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wanted to say I hold grudges. I wasn't like <laughs> angry at him. I just, I feel I, else. I feel just sad. Yeah. It just makes well, me really sad
2: a lot. Well, yeah, and it's like yeah maybe grudges is a bad word but it's like we really do hold on to things like i can remember things that people have done to me in elementary school like i will remember it forever i might not hold it against them anymore but i'll remember it like i remember when people hurt me (laughs) and it's sick because it feels
1: so bad (laughs) (laughs) well no shout out to that friend of brevin's just gwen not that one so yeah and she's also amongst in front of his cousin and these other friends is talking about their sex life and like Mm -hmm. how she had to teach him everything and talking about condoms and stuff and and doesn't understand that a condom and condominium are different. And so he gets, yeah, he's super embarrassed by her and tells her so, which is awful. And then kind of goes off for a walk and with cousin Matt and leaves her there by herself. And there was a whole thing where she doesn't like walking on sand. She doesn't like how it feels. So he had sort of, he walked on the sand and helped her walk sort of up higher on the gravel, but he's Mm -hmm. left her there And she's so upset that she just walks down the beach, sand or no sand, by herself, back to the house, begs his mother, we find out, to have the driver take her home. Because David comes back and he's like, where'd she go? Like, somehow surprised that she was upset. He didn't get it, you know? Mm -hmm. But she's gone. She's left. And he tries calling her and she won't answer. So he really, really blew it.
2: Yes, that is so autistic. I so related to that, like... I would have done the exact same thing just because it would have hurt me so much. I wouldn't even have been able to deal with him at that point in time. I would need that space because it is. It's so hurtful. We internalize that so much.
1: So the next day, mom's talking mad shit. She's like, it's fine. It's good that that girl left. She wasn't for you anyway. you got to be with like a normal girl. And is talking about like, what was wrong with her anyway? Does she have brain damage? She says it's like, holy shit, lady like how did you not pick up any of this stuff from having an autistic son like she's so checked out of that whole process but Mm -hmm. an important important sort of turning point for him is she's like she was yeah he has to explain to her like what alert what ld stands for and trying to explain what's quote unquote wrong with her and mom's like well she's weird and you know she's too weird i didn't like it and he says i like her because she's weird i'm weird too which is such a lovely sentiment
3: It would have been a lot, sweetheart, with all you go through to take care of someone with problems like that. What was her issue, anyway?
0: She had an LD.
3: An LD? What's that?
0: Learning disability.
3: Oh, I'd say more than that. Was she brain damaged? I mean, you'd ask her a simple question and she'd, she'd talk your head off. It was a verbal learning disability. She also ate a dozen radish roses off my fish platter. A dozen radishes, I'm not kidding.
0: I thought she was sweet.
3: She was weird. David, better you should find someone who maybe is is more advanced at things than you are. Like Melinda, that that girl you used to date. Mm. Uh, Angie, whatever happened to Angie? The girls from the internet. I
0: liked her because she was weird, Mom. I'm weird too.
2: Mm-hmm. I loved that. I really did. It was like that was his arc, you know? Like he really became really self aware in that moment of, you know, I'm like her, like maybe not exactly, but like, yeah, we're both weird and there's nothing wrong with it.
1: Well, and it's him in this family to this mother that is always swept under the rug and always like that's the thing we don't talk about it's him announcing to her like no we're not I'm not hiding from you anymore like I'm Mm -hmm. as you say weird like and that's Mm -hmm. fine he goes to see that talent show that they were going to be in and this is so sad too because Sarah who usually loves singing and has always been very bombastic it's her turn at the talent show she's supposed to come up and sing and she can't do it and it's because of what he said to her. It's because of how embarrassed he was by her singing. So she can't even perform the talent shows that she's been practicing for, which makes him very sad. And he runs out of the building, like, cause he can't stand to see what he's done to her. So he finally has some sort of realization and self-awareness of like, oh shit, I have like hurt this person. And here's where we get the big finale. And it's such a, such a gorgeous last scene. She's sitting at the bus stop. He comes to her, sits down next to her to try to talk to her, and she just gets up silently and walks away from her, walks away from him and goes like face up against a fence. Like, I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk to you, but I can't like I'm waiting for my bus so I can't run away. Her bus arrives. She runs and gets on the bus. And it's sort of a grand gesture on his part because he hates buses so much that he follows her onto the bus. The problem is he's never had to make exact change before, so he's like, "Just take three dollars, it's fine." And the bus driver's like, "No, it's two twenty-five or whatever," and he doesn't have it, and he's struggling, and it's stressing him out. He's starting to tick. There's people waiting to get on the bus by, get on the bus in line behind him who are starting to get riled up, and Sarah gets up and comes over and makes the change for him so that he can get on the bus, because this is something she can do that he can't do. For all of his, I'm so much better than all these other people, here she is with this sort of, you know, some would say a basic life skill that he is completely unprepared for, and she can do it. And you can see that, and it's the last scene of the movie, so we we don't know what the future holds for them. It's not like a love conquers all and now all their problems are solved they're still going to have these same problems tomorrow and every day after that but you can see that feeding off each other's strengths and filling in for each other's weaknesses they have a shot maybe at like being better and being a good team and helping each other out and it's it's really really lovely and this movie is great
2: (laughs) i loved that ending and and that goes back to showing like how we are such a mixture of of characteristics, where you know he might be really good at masking and playing things off, but he can't do like you know basic math or whatever. And that's a very common experience um, for our people. And I love I love that he showed that vulnerability, that he was willing to get on the bus, and then at one point you know where he is starting to panic, and then didn't he say something like Sarah? You know he didn't look at her or whatever, but he's like Sarah, and then she got up and helped him it was so sweet
3: i just
1: love that yeah she kind of lets him flounder for an appropriate amount of punishment time but then eventually she does get up and come help him because it's i'm sure for her even it's hard to watch him struggle like that you know as mad as she is at him she does love him and she can't stand to watch him you know Oh, yeah. Well,
2: and that brings up the whole empathy thing. We're always, um, accused of not having empathy when many of us have hyper empathy. Um, not all, but I, I'm one who's, uh, hyper empathetic. And so I can't stand to see injustice. I can't stand to see people suffering. I used to cry over roadkill. Um, (laughs) you know, because like, I just feel, feel, feel feel everything so strongly and it's like an inside my body feel, not just a mental type of thing. So yeah, we do have empathy. We just express it differently um, and just, you know, feel it in a different way, I guess.
4: Yeah, I can also relate to that. I definitely also have like a really strong sense of empathy. I just don't always know how to express like that feeling a lot of the times. like move on. I, I always go back and forth only if I, like, like I've gotten better at, like, kind of showing it, but it's still, like, it doesn't always come as natural for me, as it does for a lot of people. But I definitely feel it a lot. It's really easy to feel. It makes me sad. Yeah. Well,
2: <laughs> and, and our facial awareness a lot of the time, like, I didn't find out until I was an adult that my face does not match, like, my intention a lot of the time. So, like, people were telling me, well, you were a bitch in high school. And I'm like, I didn't do anything to you. I didn't say anything. But they thought because I was quiet and because I guess I had a bitchy, like, I have resting bitch face, apparently, that they thought I was, like, stuck up. (laughs) But I was just quiet. (laughs) (laughs) uh... Well, in something you brought up, too, with, like, his tick starting, there's actually layers of meltdowns. Like, What people don't realize is there's actually, like, stages. What he usually was doing was what they call the rumble stage, and that's the stage you have right before the big meltdown. Um, So he was starting to tick. He was starting to go, ah, you know, like that. That's him fighting off that meltdown, but it's common if he doesn't de-escalate. And it's really important for people who are caregivers of autistics or, you know, have kids or whatever to know that, that if you can watch for that rumble phase and de-escalate, you could prevent so many meltdowns you know from happening or at least prevent the keep it from being so severe so yeah there's actually three common phases rumble meltdown um recovery so important
1: thank you yeah that's the end of the movie that about does it i guess kind of final thoughts on the movie will go around for me i think i think it's a great movie i think it's in its way an important movie big big props to rachel israel who directed it who I could not find on Twitter um, I tried I, I really wanted to talk to her but um, I, I hope she makes more movies because this one is really really good and there should be more things like it and that's my final thought
2: um, I guess we will go next because I'm kind of loud like that <laughs> no I thought it was great you know it wasn't perfect there are some areas that I thought were like I would do that differently but it's a great starting off point I really think we need that kind of like visibility and especially where we're not like the back characters. We're the main characters in this movie. It's about us and how we deal with the world and how we deal with relationships. We do need more of those kind of of movies and not just for autistics, but for everybody. So, yeah, I loved it. Um, I really loved the ending. That's what really got me because I just so connected to it. So it was good. It was really great.
1: And another thing, before you go, Brevin, another thing that I I just thought of that I meant to say earlier is a thing that I really appreciate about this, because we were talking about how he's kind of an unlikable jerk, I appreciate so much that he's allowed to be, because it's probably a very, (laughs) it's a very tempting, when you're making a movie like this, I'm sure, and writing it and performing it, it's probably very tempting to make autistic people these sort of angelic figures or these (laughs) saintly figures who, you know, can't do any wrong. And sometimes, just like... Everyone in any sort of group, there are jerks, you know, and it's oh only, yeah, and it's oh yeah. It's good that they allowed that to be shown. That like not everyone's the same. They're not all perfect. Like this guy has some things, of us are
2: assholes. This guy has
1: things. <laughs> are... He has things to learn to be a better person. He's not an angel from the word from Jump Street, you know. And so I really appreciated that too. I thought that was very good storytelling. You, and you think the music
4: movie had that issue too? It's a but have a criticized movie for like yeah portraying his main character as being almost perfect in every single way like inspiration
2: porn is what it's called inspiration porn like you see oh they're so special (laughs) no we're people (laughs) just like you we're not perfect some of us are assholes some of us are really bad people Um, but you know we're just like everyone else we're just autistic
4: (laughs) yeah uh, yeah, this movie did a really good job of like representing autism really well, and it's something that I appreciated. And it made me like, it made me like emotional kind of watching it. And like, I I really connected a lot with this movie. And I do, if I I do have one person I kind of want to get out the fact that like I, I it is I kind of really want to see um, like more movies that like also portray autism people who can like um they who are like cause i think in this movie is it implied that like both of the two two main can mainly both have to kind of like leave their parents or is that without some yeah, bad reason yeah
2: like be independent like yeah like, yeah
4: because i think that because i think there's a lot of them who are able to like have some more independence then and it would be nice to just, like show that you can still like have the autistic we and also have like independent that's, that's one chris i kind of well one, I wanna see more of different other types of mm-hmm. autistic movies that could like show that aspect of it. Because like um I mean I live with like I as many times I have lived by myself. I mean I live with roommates by myself, but I've lived by myself for a while and had like some level of independence. Um, so I think it would be nice to have like movies that would show autistic people who are able to have some independence as well. Oh
2: yeah, I totally agree with that. Um I think really I hope as we gain traction and get normalized in society, whatever, that we are, you see more of us, Um, you know, we need to have more autistic um, people of color highlighted. We need to have people um, who have high support needs um, shown. We need to normalize living with your parents or living with someone, you know, and that not being like necessarily a bad thing. Because in this day and age, I mean, who can afford to live on your own unless you're working like three jobs or whatever? And yeah. you know, most folks are getting disability, and so like they don't give you shit in that. Like, it's not a lot of money. You can't live off of that hardly. So yeah, I agree with Brevin on that.
1: And I will say, this is a as good as this movie is. It is a very very white movie.
3: Oh, I was gonna say that too, and
2: I forgot. I'm not sure if I saw anyone in the group at all. That was that was black or or anything besides white i mean just
1: i mean there oh, there was a lot of white people they're jewish so that's right <laughs> that's something well there
2: are there are you know yeah. black jewish people <laughs> yeah i mean it kind of bothered me that the only like black character that was really noticeable in the movie the driver uh, was the driver
1: yeah that's yeah. not great, that's not great.
2: come on yeah <laughs> that's why i was saying like well and that's the other thing with sia that like the character of music was supposed to be a um biracial little girl or a biracial, you know, teenager or whatever. And she basically put her in blackface. Um yeah, that was
4: bad.
2: That's that was really, really
4: bad.
3: bad. Oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I didn't that even know that until mm-hmm. like I
4: looked it up. And I found yeah. out what that's oh my god
2: like that movie was so many layers of problematic but yeah she did blackface and no one talks about it like not only did she like crip up or whatever like she yeah she did blackface like she put so much bronzer she did her hair like certain ways especially in like the dance scenes like you'll see a lot of her like appropriation (laughs) it's
1: bad thanks i hate it (laughs) Um... (laughs) you're right So that'll do it for Keep the Change. It is the time of the episode, at the end of every episode, where I push the magic button and figure out what my movie for next week, chosen completely at random from everything streaming, will be. Pushing the magic button now. And it is... What is this? Nightwish from 1989. It is on Prime... And Tubi, for people who want to watch along, looks like some kind of late 80s horror movie. So back to standard fare for this podcast. I get a lot of those. <laughs> this was a special episode for sure because we we rarely get good movies at all. Um, so we'll be back to normal next week, it seems like. Where can people find the both of you? I'll start with you, Brevin. Where, As far as Twitter, Instagram, things like that, shout yourself uh, out you,
4: you can find me on Twitter, S- secret z Fan. i probably either have like a sandwich and captain america uh, pfp or something similar or an aaron jaeger pfp um but you can also always find me on youtube at grabbing campbell 12 okay is it
2: my turn
1: yes
4: i, am. <laughs> <You can
2: go>. <laughs> <laughs> I was just making sure <laughs> so i'm really bad at about interrupting i really don't need to you can find me uh, on Twitter at echickentender. I'm Emily Chicken Tender. <laughs> That's not my real name. But, um, it'd be, yeah. It'd or... be weird if it was. It would be awesome. <laughs> and I literally have chicken. It's a play on words. I do raise I chickens. <laughs> so saw that. So, yeah, you can find me there. I'm on Instagram and Facebook under M-Day, em and then d-a-y uh yeah and that's pretty much it i've mostly been sticking on twitter a lot lately because i just started in january and i'm about to hit 800 followers so i'm like super stoked (laughs) for me that's like exciting um yeah just come see me
1: well and i'm glad you did i'm glad you do because i got it once again like i said at the beginning thank you both so much i could not have done this the right way without you i don't make a habit of just dming strangers whatsoever particularly female strangers and so the fact that you signed on for this with not a ton of notice and we're all aboard and i'm just i'm just so grateful you've made this it might wind up being the best episode of my show ever i I don't know but um I'm i'm just i'm so pleased and proud and i could not have done it without you thank you both very very much and i guess that's it bye everybody see you next week
3: thank you see you later (laughs) ha <laughs> ha.